Thank you for joining The Secret Chord, a weekly exploration of music and spirituality. I'm your host, Adam Jacobs. Hi, folks. This week, I have the privilege of speaking about one of the greatest recording artists in American history. His name is Paul Simon, and uh, pretty much everybody knows him. Um, One of the most successful recording artists ever. Born in 1941, amongst the accolades that he's received um, are 16 Grammys for solo and collaborative work including for the album of the year, which was called Bridge Over Troubled Water. And he received a Lifetime Achievement Award. And in 2001, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which parenthetically, I'm going to be at next week. Looking forward to that. Um, In 2011, Rolling Stone named Paul Simon one of the 100 greatest guitarists. Okay, when while I appreciate his guitar work, that seems interesting to me that he made that list. But one list that he absolutely does belong on is the 100 greatest songwriters of all time. And Rolling Stone gave him that honor as well. He's also the recipient of a Library of Congress Gershwin Prize for a popular song, which he received in 2007. So uh, long and short, whether he was solo or half of Simon and Carfunkel, Paul Simon from Queens, New York, was and is one of the national treasures of this country. And the song that I'd like to focus on for today is called American Tune. It was the third single from his third solo album, which is called There Goes Rhyme and Simon, which was released in 1973. The song is described as a meditation on the American experience. And it's based on a hymn. And if you want to take a moment and go listen to the hymn, it's called, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. You will discover that it's remarkably similar um, and that even Bach used this uh, to score the St. Matthew's Passion, at least for you know part of it. So. The tune, although adapted by Paul Simon, is not entirely original, but what he does with it and the lyrics that he puts to it are just fantastic. Um, The song ultimately reached number 35 on the Billboard Hot 100. And um, just on that borrowing of music idea, uh, Stravinsky once said that good composers borrow and great composers steal. It's not an unusual thing for there to be a lot of usage of other people's melodic materials, uh, which are repurposed for modern times. So let's play the first two verses of the song and, um, and then talk about it. So without further ado, American Tune by Paul Simon. Many's the time I've been mistaken And many times confused Yes, and I've often felt forsaken And searched 
Let's talk about his vocals. Although, in my estimation, Paul Simon has a pretty voice, I wouldn't say that he's got one of the most powerful voices in terms of his vocal range or his intensity or just the quality of his voice. But he does have something that a lot of other vocalists don't have, and that is a certain quiet sensitivity. I think of this tune, and on the, although they do, he plays rock and roll sometimes, I think of him as like a thinking man's folk artist. That he's a sensitive and troubled intellectual, trying to make sense of the world. And in this tune, at least, he's ultimately resigning himself that he's not going to be able to. He, he does have a sweet, sincere, and gentle delivery. So not virtuistic, but very touching not, nonetheless. He opens up by describing difficulty as, as many songs do. We've already in this podcast spoken about uh, a number of artists who, who write different forms of lament, whether it's a blues or some other form. I consider this an American folk form of lament where he says, many are the times I've been mistaken and many times confused. Yes, and often felt forsaken and, and certainly misused. But I'm all right, I'm all right. I'm just weary to my bones. Still, you don't expect to be bright and bon vivant, so far away from home, so far away from home. That's pretty melancholy. I'm going to read one more parts from the second verse where he says I don't know a soul who has not been battered I don't have a friend who feels at ease I don't know a dream that's not been shattered and driven to its knees okay certainly some people have it easier than others some lives are just objectively harder than others but I do agree with him that I think it's part of the human condition that he's right when he says I don't have a friend who feels at ease. Does anybody truly feel 
at ease. I would suggest that most often the answer is no. That deep down, most people have a slow burning sense that something is amiss. And that even if it's quote unquote, okay, like Paul says, it's all right, it's all right. He says that in each verse. Yeah, often it is all right. But nonetheless, we have the sense that it won't be all right for all that long. That something somewhere is coming down the pike and is going to upset whatever equilibrium we have at the moment. So maybe it's so that we shouldn't expect to be to feel bright and bon vivant, as he says, so far away from home. But what does he mean? Is he on a trip? Why is he so far away from home? And if he's so far and he doesn't like it, why doesn't he just go back? So let's uh, make it spiritual now and suggest that everybody wants to be at home. That feeling at home is a primary drive that all humans have. Which is not to say that humans also don't love traveling and seeing new things, but there is a special affinity that people have, especially to their hometown, especially to the house that they grew up in. They want to be there. There's a sense of completion and comfort being back where you started. And on a deeper level, if it's the case that there is a spiritual world and metaphysical world where we all originated and we're just journeying through this physical dimension for however many number of decades, and then we depart it, well, arriving back where we came from is home. And for people who claim to have experienced being back in that world, for instance, those who have experienced a, a near-death experience, interestingly, they often describe it as an arrival back home in a place that feels more real than the world that we all live in. And they welcome returning back there. And, and when they visit there, oftentimes they don't want to leave. So maybe that's what Paul is getting at, although I can't confirm it. Now, let's take a moment and listen to the bridge. And I dreamed I was dying Dream that my soul rose unexpectedly And looking back down at me Smiled reassuringly And I dreamed I was flying And high up above My eyes could clearly see The Statue of Liberty Sailing away to sea so the feeling in this bridge suddenly shifts. It's more uplifting. And despite the fact that he opens up by saying, and I dreamed I was dying, don't get the sense that he's particularly upset about that. 
he overtly references the soul by saying, I, I dreamed that my soul rose unexpectedly and looking back down at me, smiled reassuringly. Okay, so this is the first sort of positive moment we've had in the song. And uh, he seems to be having a near-death experience. He's floating up. He, he feels his soul leave his body, but it smiles at him and everything seems like it's gonna be okay. And the music reflects that. And then he reports seeing the Statue of Liberty and on the line, my eyes could clearly see. He leaps up vocally by a minor seventh, which is a very unusual interval to sing. And it adds a tremendous amount of drama to the song, tension, drama. Um, and he envisions the Statue of Liberty sailing off which I think is extremely evocative as opposed to, you know, immigrants sailing here. He sees the statue that welcomed those immigrants sailing off. And there's something disconcerting about that. When interviewed and asked about this song, Paul Simon responded by saying that he doesn't write overtly political songs, but that when he wrote it in 1973, he was bothered by the political climate in the country. And although I also don't like to speak directly about political issues, it's been a difficult week in America. And it's, I find myself feeling perhaps like he does, that America is a land of contradiction. Great on the one hand, disappointing, sometimes violent, on the other hand. And I relate to his tale, his American tune, that seems to have two aspects to it, a lonely and difficult one and a potentially positive and uplifting one at the same time. And that leads us to the last verse. And let's listen to that. For we come on the ship they call the Mayflower. We come on the ship that sails the moon. We come in the ages most uncertain hours and sing an American tune. Oh, and it's all right. It's all right. You can be forever blessed Still tomorrow's gonna be another working day And I'm trying to get some rest That's all I'm trying to get some rest So he says, we come on the ship they call the Mayflower, we come on the ship that sailed the moon. 
We come in the age's most uncertain hour and sing an American tune. But as he says each time, it's all right, it's all right. You can't be forever blessed. Okay, can't you be? What does he mean? You can't be forever blessed. Is that individually? Is that nationally? Is he saying that America has been blessed up to that point, up to this point, and then it's over? What does it mean to be blessed? Well, at least in the Jewish tradition, we have two different kinds of blessing. We have a blessing that we say on good news, and we have a blessing that we say on bad news. Either way, your blessing. The conception is that there are times things are quote-unquote good and other times when things are bad. And we experience those as being very real. The blessing that's said on the good times acknowledges the good that's revealed, that's obvious. And the blessing on the bad times says that we are not able to really perceive what's blessed about this moment, but that nonetheless, we do believe that there's blessing in it. So that difficulty and challenge don't equal despair. It's not an easy thing, but it's ultimately an uplifting way to live, to know, to believe that at the root of all things is blessing, is goodness. And living with that mitigates the downturns, mitigates the melancholy. And so I would agree with Paul Simon that on a localized level, you cannot be forever blessed, that things will come and take a downturn now and again. But in an ultimate sense, you can be forever blessed. It just requires a little bit of a shift in consciousness. And he concludes, still, tomorrow is going to be another working day, and I'm just trying to get some rest. That's all. I'm just trying to get some rest. And how true that is, that despite everything that's going on, what most people most crave is a sense of wholeness, a sense of peace and well-being. And that's what bothers us when things are not going right. We wonder, why can't this world be better? And long for a time, individually and collectively, when we can be in a state of rest. Fortunately, for those spiritual types out there, we do believe that this state of rest is ultimately going to arrive. The unfortunate part is that there's no way to get to it unless you go through the tribulation. This is a global theme for all of history. Artists and poets and musicians have all noted it and have written about it and live it. And that's why 
we relate to tunes like this because we know that they're telling the truth. It's a universal truth. And despite the melancholy that we experience by listening to it, we know that deep down there's a hopefulness to it as well. And that's what makes it so powerful. I hope you've enjoyed this great song on this important topic. And I look forward once again to sharing more great music with you in the upcoming weeks. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. If you would like to find more content like this, as well as information about live programming, visit us at www.aishny.com. That's www.aishny.com.